over the, the past couple of, uh, over the past year really, I've undergone the, the process of quarantine a couple times, and no doubt many of you have as well. And as we entered into that time, especially uh, if, you know, last year when it was about two weeks long, you know, now it's about a third of that time, uh, one of the things you probably told yourself if you're like me uh, was, well, at least I'll have time to get a lot of things done around the house. Or in my case, when I had a two-week quarantine in the spring, the thought was, well, at least I'll have time to finish all my footnotes on the thesis, which I had to write to finish seminary. So I, I you know, looked forward at those two weeks of you know, time in my room, and I thought, at least I'll be productive. And then the time came, and the time began to pass by, and I began to look back on the days that had gone by and noticed that actually I had not been as productive as I thought that somehow the hours flew by, despite the fact that I had nothing to do. And in fact, I achieve more sometimes when I'm about the normal business of my life than I did during those days or even weeks of quarantine when I was locked up in the room. And it's an interesting phenomenon because we know, even at that time, that we would be happier if we went out and did the work, or not went out, we can't, couldn't go out, you know, if we stayed home and did the work, uh, whatever it might be, the duties or responsibilities that we have, we know we'd be happier doing them. Not even in the future looking back, saying, oh, I did that. But even in the moment, we'd be happier if we were putting our time to good use. But for some reason, we kind of flee from uh, that which makes us happy, even. If it's a duty, or if it's a responsibility, or if it's some kind of mission or a vocation. And I think we see something happening like that in the Gospel today, where Peter says, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He's just seen the Lord provide through his divine power this miraculous catch of fish. And so there's an interesting, we have to read between the lines here, because the, the Lord has, tells Peter to put out into the deep. He lowers his nets for a catch, catches all these fish. And then Peter's response is, without any more dialogue, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. It's an odd response, unless we kind of examine the passage a little more closely, to simply catching a lot of fish. First, I think we need to listen to the Lord's only words to Peter here. Put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch. The deep water, if you fish, it isn't necessarily where the fish are. The fish tend to be closer to shore oftentimes. The, the deep water, though, is a place of, of danger, isn't it, where the depths can hide anything. In fact, the, the Galileans believed at this time that the gates of hell were somewhere down at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. It was that deep. And so when the Lord says, put out into deep water, he's telling Peter to put out into the unknown, into something uncharted, where you won't be able to stand on your own two feet. And then he tells him to lower his nets for a catch. And they make this miraculous catch. Peter responds, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And the, then the Lord responds with another curious line. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. As if to tell Peter, it is not in your own power, in your own worthiness or unworthiness, that your catch of men will come in this new vocation to which I am calling you when I say, come and follow me. Rather, it is the same power by which all of these fish were caught. Nothing to do with Peter's ability as a fisherman, with his skill, with his discernment. No, simply because he obeyed the command of the Lord. 
because the Lord gave him a mission and a vocation, and Peter said, yes, Lord, I will do it. Or as Isaiah the prophet said, here am I, send me. We can only speculate about what Peter saw that made him say, depart from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. But it might have something to do with what we know of Peter's life afterwards, of what his mission was to be the first pope of the church, to be the one who traveled to Rome, to be the one who bore the whole burden of the nascent church on his shoulders, the one at whose feet fell every authority in heaven and on earth when the Lord said, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. That's a lot of weight and a lot of responsibility. And it's no wonder Peter said, depart from me, Lord, I am a sinful man, if that is what he saw. We heard in the second reading about the vocation of Paul. Paul, the one who preached to the Gentiles, who converted the nations, baptizing thousands, taught so many, preached the gospel in so many lands. This Paul, had he not answered the Lord's call, all of us, Gentiles as we are, where would we be? And so I think we penetrate a little bit deeper into the meaning of this gospel because we see that on Peter's answer, a great weight depends, a great weight hangs. On Peter's shoulders, a great yoke rests. And that's all of us, all of us, to this day, owe our salvation, our faith, the sacraments, the church, our lives, to Peter's yes, to this humble fisherman who stood on the lakeshore and followed the Lord. We owe everything to Paul, who said he was the last and the least of the apostles, but yet followed the Lord's mission. We owe them all. In the book of Revelation, it's written that on the foundation stones of the heavenly city of Jerusalem, the names of the 12 apostles are set. That is, that whole celestial edifice, the whole city of God, built of grace, rests not on anything but on the shoulders of 12 men, 12 humble fishermen, men not unlike you and I. On their shoulders, the Lord set this whole weight on all of our salvation. Now, there's only one foundation to every building, but there's also pinnacles and walls and spires and a whole lot of bricks, a whole lot of humble bricks in the wall. And we might not be foundation stones, but we might be bricks as you leave today, look at the, all the bricks in the wall of this temple. Each of those bricks at the top rests on quite a few bricks lower down, doesn't it? Without the bricks lower down, the ones at the top would have nothing to stand on. And we might not be foundation stones, we might not be spires and pinnacles or steeples, but we might be bricks. And if we don't fulfill our humble vocations, whatever the Lord has called us to, the wall does not stand. In the church today, we, we face quite a few problems, and many of them, I think, come from the fact that so many bricks decided they wanted to be part of a different building. And then all of the wall above them, what becomes of it? Without holy fathers, holy mothers, holy families, priests, of course, the wall does not stand. Or, to take another example, today is the first time in the history of the church in America when the number of priests is greater than the number of religious sisters. The religious sisters who formed the backbone of our Catholic schools, who provided for the majority of Catholics in America the human face of the church, 
a face of love and care, of service to the poor. They are no longer with us. Those bricks in the wall are missing. And without them, we suffer the loss and the want. It falls on each of our shoulders to encourage more young people to, to accept the vocation of the Lord, both men and women, young men and young women, to become priests and religious, if that is the Lord's call in their lives. Because the church desperately needs them. The walls of God's city rest on those who accept their vocation, whether that vocation is to marriage, to religious life, to the priesthood. On each of our shoulders lies a tremendous weight, or can, if we accept it, the weight of salvation for perhaps a few, perhaps hundreds, perhaps thousands of souls who will one day look back to us, just as we can look back to Peter and Paul and point to them and say, our salvation rests on them. That's a great weight. And yet, like Peter, we can see that it is not our own worthiness, our own abilities, or our own power that gives us the, the ability to answer the Lord's call, but rather the Lord's divine grace, through which Peter caught this miraculous catch of fish, through which Peter received the ability to lead the church to holiness and to save so much of the world, ourselves included. Of course, we can look forward to heaven when we can look back on this life and accept that it was for our happiness that we received the, the vocation the Lord sent us, if we, uh, God will it, uh, end up there. But just like the, the man or woman in quarantine, we'd even be happier right now if we accept the vocation God has given us to be a holy father, a holy mother, a holy son or daughter, to be a religious or a priest. It is in that that our happiness lies. We won't be happy continually putting off the vocation, saying, depart from me, Lord, putting off those tasks and responsibilities. Our happiness will only truly lie if we hear the Lord's call and take upon him or take upon us his burden, his yoke, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light.